When you hear the word brag, something negative probably comes to mind, like that annoying kid in high school that would never shut up and was always talking about themselves. But in Brag Better, a book by Meredith Feynman, today's guest on the podcast, we talk about why society rewards the loud people and sometimes overlooks the qualified quiet. This book is all about how to get the qualified quiet to speak up and giving you real strategies on how to do exactly that. So we're going to talk about that today on this episode of Hot Pizza Ass. I'm your host, Erin Darling-Taralva. And speaking of bragging, I'm going to do a little bit of bragging about myself before we bring on Meredith to talk about her book and the concepts within that book. This review is from Joanne Persephone, and it says, I'm so excited this podcast exists. Erin is an amazing host with a natural ability to interview people. She's really relatable and funny. Plus, she has super interesting guests. I love listening to all of the discussions about body image as the subject matter really deeply resonates with me. Love you, girl. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Joanne, for leaving that amazing review. I really appreciate it. If you guys want to leave a review for Hot Pizza Ass Podcast, it is cheap, um, aka free, and completely easy. It takes maybe 30 seconds to write a review, and it is a great way to support the podcast and help us grow. Please pause this episode and leave a review if you have not already. Another way to support the podcast is to head over to patreon.com slash Erin Darling, where you guys will find bonus information, bonus episodes, photo sets that come out every single month, and a lot of great content, a small community there that is very active and fun to engage with if you love hot pizza ass podcast. We are completely independent, so we rely on the support of listeners like you to help us grow, to help us stay going and keep going strong. Thank you guys so much for listening, for supporting, and to all the current Patreon subscribers. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode and talk to Meredith Feynman about how to brag better. I'm curious, how do you get into this field of helping people brag better, pitch themselves, be more yeah. outspoken about their accomplishments? Yeah. So it, I definitely didn't set out to do this. Um, I get asked a lot in interviews or whatnot, you know, like, how did you decide to do this? Um, and it was more that I saw a problem and wanted to do something about it. So uh, overview nutshell, you know, writer, entrepreneur, speaker, et cetera. I started my company about 10 years ago uh, as more of a PR shop. And I'm a freelance writer 15 years. And so so I really blend the writing and the PR and media relations. I've always simultaneously built sort of my own personal brand, speaking and writing and doing events. And when I was in public relations, um, I started to get a lot of individual clients, people wanting to figure out what it means to be in public and what it means to promote themselves personally, which I strongly believe and you see throughout the book and throughout Brag Better that uh, promoting a person and yourself and your your work is what really breaks through. So I became the go-to for individual representation and I was really enjoying that, but I was watching a really disturbing trend or a really disturbing trajectory. So my audience is the qualified quiet, people that have done the work but don't know how to talk about it, which is irrespective of gender and is irrespective of level of seniority. But the the trajectory I was watching, um, particularly because I'm surrounded by and have worked with many women, um, was that nobody knew how to talk about themselves, but that it was particularly difficult for women. And so I was watching that not change 
with someone being extremely successful. Um, and that really was disturbing. So I would have young women that want to work for me that didn't have a ton of experience, but that didn't matter. I was looking for just certain characteristics or a scrappiness or just for them to give me anything, any brags, any shares about what they were proud of and they couldn't do it. And then I'd have friends where, you know, in the, in the before times, um, we would be at networking happy hours or conferences or whatever, and they would just be missing these huge opportunities to pitch themselves in their work or would be vastly underselling it. Um, and so couldn't, you know, brag there. And then I was representing really high powered people, men and women. Um, and some of these household names, like people who had just done unbelievable things. And it was the same thing. It was the same thing as the 19 year old girl who walked into my office. Um, and, and they felt that they couldn't talk about their work or that their work wasn't worthy or they didn't know how to begin sharing it and bragging about it. Um, I use the word brag just for lack of better words. Um, and I define it as stating facts about your work strategically and cohesively to advance your career. So I had one client in particular that was sort of the, the straw that broke the camel's back and I booked her on TV and she said to me, you know, I don't know if I'm the best person to do this. There might be someone who knows more than I do, which inevitably, sure, someone's prettier, richer, or skinnier, whatever. Um, but that was not the point. The point was that for her to go on TV on a panel for five minutes and do maybe two to three talking points, the idea that she wasn't qualified was ridiculous. Um, not to mention she had been in a presidential administration on the topic. So something was stopping her from feeling like her experience was adequate, which was ludicrous. Um, and she didn't do it. And so I hung up the phone and in the margin of the book I was reading, I wrote the word braggart, someone who brags. And I put parentheses around the word art. Um, and it was sort of the art of self-promotion. And that was the beginning of my outline of Brag Better, which is now a different title and fully baked. Um, that was October of 2013. I remember that story um, in the book. And I also remember a story of you telling about how you got a client an amazing opportunity and they like knocked it out of the ballpark when they didn't think that they could. And I always love moments like that because I think that those little moments, maybe even times when you didn't think you could do something and it ends up going well, they can like change your career completely. Why do you think we have this wall up when it comes to sharing our own successes? Yeah. Well, first of all, you should know how to do these things. Like that's a, that is, everything is structured or factored to make it difficult and to reward the wrong voices. Um, the loud, um, unqualified ones. So you don't have words to do this. At its core, I cared that brag better and that my work give people as a writer a vocabulary to talk about talk positively about professional accomplishment. It doesn't exist. I have to use a word brag, which many people have told me not to, just for a lack of any other words to describe what I'm talking about, which is frankly stating facts about your career. I define bragging as stating facts about your career strategically and cohesively to advance it. Um, and that's really all it is. But you don't have those words. You don't have the role models. The role models you have are ones that either disgust you or scare you. Um, you know, I think that, that some people have, we have more model, role models than we used to of someone who shares and touts his or her work well in a way that feels okay to you, but you often don't see yourself represented in the voices that we do reward. And that's one thing that bothered me so much being, you know, in and around media and what I do is 
I was just noticing that not only was there a terrible lack of diversity of viewpoint, which um, I did 20 interviews in the book, which have many diverse viewpoints based on sort of race and age and gender expression and level of seniority, et cetera. Um, we weren't seeing, we don't see any of that. Um, and that's a lot of systemic issues. Uh, and we have this inverse relationship between volume and merit and we reward loud. And as much as I'd like to be optimistic and say, we can get the loud people to be quiet. It's, it's not about that. It's about getting this, you know, qualified quiet to start sharing. Right. And how can we do that? What do you, what are the best ways that someone that's a a member of the qualified quiet start singing their own praises and feeling not weird about it. You're going to feel weird about it. I think probably for a long time. Cause it also just means you give a shit. I can swear on this podcast, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, it just means you care. Um, you know, I, I talk about sort of my own fears of public speaking and I interviewed Susan Cain for the book who, who is the reason why we talk about introversion and extroversion. She wrote the book Quiet and she famously had very, very, very bad um, anxiety around public speaking. Um, you know, you're nervous because you care, um, which isn't often helpful in the moment. It's like, thanks, I feel like shit. Um, but it's just starting anywhere. So whether that is saying to yourself at the end of the day, like, you know what? You did a good job on that report. Or calling a friend and saying, I had this win um, on my podcast and I'm like so proud of it. It can, it doesn't have to be like, you know, talking about your, your work of record to get on a corporate board. It can be just simply sharing something you're proud of and getting in the habit of it. It's a habit. It's a skill set. It's a practice. It is teachable. It is learnable. It is something that, um, you evolves throughout your whole life. Um, and it is an act of vulnerability, which is why it's hard and scared to put yourself out there and be proud of yourself, particularly as a woman, when people, when that is inherently a radical act. Um, but, uh, so starting really, really small, you know, sharing a win with someone who really cares about you, buying the domain of your name and considering making a personal website. Um, any of those things, starting a running document of your wins, big or small. I mean, Kimberly Drew, who's in the book, who's this incredible writer, cultural commentator, art, has, you know, sort of art expert, fashion expert, talks about soft goals where she just rewards herself or is proud of herself for doing the tiniest thing like taking, I mean, she doesn't use the example of taking a shower, but I've heard that before. And especially in a time like this, you know, that's a, that's a goal. That's a brag in yeah. and of itself. <laughs> No, it is. Yeah. I mean, I definitely haven't done that yet today and I would need to. <laughs> so when I do, I will remind myself <laughs> that I made a win happen today. One thing I find really fascinating is that I have definitely had experiences in my life where I felt maybe I had an opportunity and I sold myself short because I didn't want to feel like I was listing off a resume. What advice would you give to someone like that? Let's, let's delve into that for a second. Give me the context. I had a meeting. Okay. And in this meeting, it was me and a partner, a business partner, creative partner. So we went in and I was kind of under the impression, okay, let this person take the lead. And I'm here basically kind of as support. So that's how I felt the entire process, um, which got very complicated later. But in those meetings, there were moments where I felt I could be contributing more, but 
I didn't feel that it was appropriate to talk more about myself considering that dynamic and that I should just stay focused on the project and support the project as a whole. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so, so one reason why I want you to drill down is like all of these situations are unique. There are some that though fall into varying buckets, you know, that's, Bragging better is a team sport. Um, it's not just about you and it's part of your job to brag on behalf of and in service of others, which in this case you're doing. Um, but also everyone's on a different bragging journey or in a different bragging spot. And so getting aligned there can be tricky, uh, especially when those are very different. Um, but, you know, in that case, that sounds more along the lines of communication, but also, I mean, you are the project. So, you know, Cindy Gallup in the book talks about how it's an intrinsic part of your work to share your work and your background. It's actually part of why you were hired. Um, you know, it's, it's people need to know that so that they can understand how to best work with you. I think people get really caught up in the like feeling bad about bragging about their work, but not realizing that you're stating facts, but sharing information so that you can make your work better. Um, and make everyone else's experience with you better. Like, let's say there was something you wanted to share and you didn't about something you've done that could add a ton of color to this project, then that's really important. I mean, that's just a tricky, working with other people and other people's stories, and it's a tricky dynamic in general. Um, And I think, you know, in a future situation like that, having a really clear conversation about who's sharing what, how to help each other sound good, because you were there to support your your partner but your partner should also be there to support you and explain why you are the why you are the why you are the correct support person i mean that is an important thing too and i have partners like that where often i am sort of the creative and content but like you know my best friend taught me a phrase which is 100% of nothing is nothing which is that like yeah you are bringing the story and content to the table but um it wouldn't be po- and it wouldn't be possible without some of the support systems that have value too. So that's like a more that's a more specific example. But what I will say is, you know, bragging in systems is whether it's like to your boss in a way that he or she can handle. It's it's all very complicated. And but but it's important to to do it and try it and fail at some of it and and succeed at a lot of it. I like the idea of collaborative bragging. <laughs> like let's all yes. brag together. Um, so today we're recording this. I won't be released today, but today is uh, Latina Equal Pay Day. And I feel like there's a movement going on right now, um, especially for lots of diverse women, where we are, we're recognizing this, um, we're, this wage gap and the disparity that's happening currently and always. And, and I feel that there's a lot of conversation that occurs, but not necessarily a lot of change. And a lot of those issues are systemic. But as being our own advocates, right, like doing what we can to try to make changes, what do you think that bragging can kind of like play into that? Yeah. So one thing that was so important to me as a white woman was, you know, I've had to deal with the sexism, but the racism piece, um, particularly when using my voice or choosing to be out there and brag better is not something that I personally completely understand. Um, and it's certainly a blind spot in a lot of my work. And so, you know, in the book has, 
has um, Latina voices and black, interesting black women that have risen to senior ranks and talk about sort of how to skate on that razor's edge, if you will. Um, I will be very clear that I'm not going to pretend that, you know, bragging better will end systemic racism or police brutality. I mean, obviously it would not do that, but, uh, but the wage gap and things like that. I mean, there are a lot of systemic issues. This is happening within a system. You know, every time you choose to raise your voice, it does put pressure on a system, but that's not effective without real change. And so this is a tool for you to, it's a tool in your toolkit. It's not, but I, I'm very careful, particularly in a book like this that toes the line between, you know, leadership and professional development and self-help that I'm not putting all the onus on the reader. And especially one reason why I cared that it wasn't women only, uh, that the qualified quiet was men and women was not only do men need to be a part of these conversations, but also so many of this stuff, so many of these things is just directed at women. And it's like, oh no, but if you are more confident, if you brag better, well then all of the like systemic ills will, you know, it places the onus on women who are always willing, sorry. <laughs> it places the onus on women who are always willing to improve themselves and say, well, it must be me. It must be me. Maybe if I do this differently, maybe I do this. No, some of it just sucks and is sexism and racism. Um, and I want to be very clear about that too. Like this is a tool for you to feel better, for you to get a raise, for you to get people to listen to you in a certain way and to feel better about your work. But it's not, a, a, you know, it's not a solve for uh, a lot of the systemic ills. And I remember very, very vividly, um, I was on a panel in 2015 and this Latina woman stood up in the Q&A portion and said, you know, as a Latina woman, I, how do I, how do I stop being for myself from being stereotyped? Um, and it was only until after the, at the end of the panel, that I realized it was a panel for white women and everyone had their varying strategies and like, you know, listing out whatever. And I was like, just give me the fucking microphone. Uh-huh. And I looked at her and it was an audience of like a thousand, there were a lot of people, a thousand, 1500 women. And I said, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Um, it sucks. I can't completely understand what you're going through. Um, because I've dealt with sexism, but I have not had to deal with the racism. I mean, a little bit of anti-Semitism. I do not think they're comparable. They're very, very different things. Um, and I have that privilege that that doesn't that that means I don't have to deal with that. And I don't think there are strategies that I necessarily can give you specific to the Latina experience, except share the voices of other amazing Latino women like Natalie Molina Nino or uh, Natalia Albertino Guerra, who are both in the book, sort of talking about those things. Um, and and that's that's a really just important thing to acknowledge. Period. Just be like, I'm sorry, it sucks. We don't have a good we don't have a good solution for it right now. Except people can stop sucking, which mm-hmm. seems to be taking much longer than anticipated. Oh yeah, I mean decades and decades and centuries. Uh, yeah, right. And even you know, the louder that we get, it does seem like. It's just conversation. Hopefully society will get to a place where we can change a little bit on that. Um, yeah, but- like a lot of that, that's on like the people in power. That's on, you know, men, white men, white people, white women um, to get it the fuck together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how have you been able to implement these strategies in your own career? And like, what has the payoff been? Yeah, so... I've been a freelance writer for 15 years. A lot of people often ask me, 
um, how to start a freelance writing career. Um, I've just gotten really, and, and the same with, start, you know, having a business for a decade. This is technically my second book. I collaborated on one right before it. This is the first that is really my name on the door and my intellectual property and all me. Um, I've never, like nobody's ever reached out and, and asked me to do these things. Um, so much of bragging better comes from treating yourself like a publicist and being unafraid to pitch and shape stories and ask for things over and over and over again. So I'd say that's the biggest takeaway. Like no outlet has ever asked me to write for them. It has always been my like banging down the door and being like, here are my previous clips. Can I write for you? Don't hear anything two months later. Hi, I want to follow up, you know? So I think that it's about the p- pitching, which is, is tied and, and being comfortable and being this idea that if you throw, you know, throwing things against the wall and, and not being afraid of, I mean, rejection sucks. I mean, brag better was rejected a bazillion times as a book concept. And I thought maybe it was gone. And, then it came back and now here now it's here and it's real and and everyone has moments of doubt but um i think one reason why i'm successful is i've been pitching my writing my work and my clients for like a decade straight so someone saying no doesn't really bother me yeah no definitely i think that's one of the big deterrents because really when you pitch yourself or there's something out there that you want the only real i guess not fear but kind of fear the only real negative side or downside of it would be someone saying no so like very clearly we're we're really really deeply afraid of rejection why do you think that is because it hurts because it's a vulnerability it's something you care about and you're like hey do you want to look at my shiny rock They're like no um <laughs> so so that's hard i mean like and it also varies depending on what you're working on like with brag better has been my baby for seven years and you know, I sort of, uh, with my editor for the book, I'm like, my art, don't touch it. Don't touch my art. Um, and I would get so defensive about everything and she was just making it a better book. And like, then I would, I would at first I would be like, no, 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 don't touch it. And then I'd be like, no, I don't want to do that. And they'd be like, mm, maybe one of those things is good. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't want to change that, but the rest of it does make sense. So um, it's easy to be prickly about stuff you're very, you care a lot about. Um, and And that's just sort of, sort of something to get used to. It's just about sheer volume. Like the more you get rejected, the less it hurts. I mean, I think that that is one thing that's so valuable about having been a freelance writer since I was 18 was like, you just pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. And I was talking to an editor recently and I just keep sending her and I have to wait till, I mean, I don't know when this is airing. We'll see what happens in the election. Like pray for Biden Harris. Um, (laughs) Praying. Uh, But or however you exercise your desires. Um, but yeah, I mean, and she was like, I'm so sorry none of these are working out. Like she felt bad and I was like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to keep sending you things I want to talk about until you say yes. Um, and I knew some of my pitches weren't that good, but I wanted to just keep engaging her because she was a big editor and she was responding to me. And then I was like, let me like follow up in a little while. But um, it didn't bother me that she said no to any of them. Because you can also take it elsewhere. It's oh, I mean, you can always kind of figure it out, uh, which is a very dumb and privileged thing to say. But with a lot of stuff you are pitching, you know, you know this and around the comedy world, like, I mean, you just got to keep weaseling your way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
definitely takes time and a lot of persistence and a lot of rejection. You know, I think it's, I always say this about comedy is anyone can be a stand-up comedian, but you have to get used to public rejection. And that's why a lot of people don't end up doing it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been like, you know, I, I, I love comedy. I'm a huge comedy nerd, which I think that phrase has gotten tired at this point, but it's funny. That was the only thing I cared that my book be was funny, which like wasn't exactly what we were going for. But, um, but yeah, I mean, stand, I could never do that. I mean, I stand on stages in front of hundreds or thousands of people and give brag better talks and give trainings and whatever and speak on TV. But like, oh my God, the thought of doing stand-up comedy, like kill me. <laughs> I, you uh, could so do scary. it. I'm telling you, you could do it, especially if you're okay with being rejected, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I'm okay with being rejected in certain ways. I don't know if I'm okay with my jokes being rejected. That I might, that I might be very upset about. I'm like, but I'm funny, I promise. Yeah, I know it's very, it's very disheartening when it goes wrong. It's happened to me millions and millions of times. So, um, do you have any advice for people about like what not to do? Like, are there any like hard, like turnoffs when it comes to bragging or talking about yourself? Yeah. So there's sort of like you know pillars and and what you do's and don'ts. I mean, bragging is simply stating facts. So we're not looking for lies. We're not looking for embellishments. Um, your work is fine as is. Some of the best brags I've heard are from the most junior people. It's never the most senior household names that are coming up with the best shares. Never. Um, and I'm constantly inspired by younger or more junior people who are good at bragging. Um, and and it's so, – so I always want people to know that, that it's like not the heaviest hitters that are the best at this. Uh, you know, anything that's like shameless plug, I hate to brag. I don't like brag, like anything. There are ways to call it out, um, without it being a turnoff for people because the problem is so, so putting yourself out there and being open for rejection is an act of vulnerability. It's scary. And so what you're trying to do is insult yourself before anyone else can. So like, I hate to brag, but shameless plug or shameless self-promotion alert, or I did a thing and here it is. Not only, there's not a call to action. The whole point is bragging is a means to an end. It's like, okay, who do you want to see this? Why do you want them to see it? And what do you want them to do with it? But also that anxiety is transferring to your reader and then I can't champion you and further along your career. So if you did a stand-up set that went well and was recorded and you're posting it somewhere, it's like, oh, self-promotion alert. I did this set at X, Y, and Z place. I'm not going to know what to do with that. I probably won't watch it because now I feel uncomfortable because I know you feel uncomfortable. And a lot of it is like faking it, you know, just finding the right words. Again, you don't have this vocabulary. That's what my work is. But there's a way to do that that invites people to be with you and say, I was really nervous for this. It went well. I'm really proud to show it to you. That can show that you're uncomfortable. There are ways to show uncomfortable with power. Um, But, and you can say that, or you could say, you know, this set went really well and I'm excited to share it. And then I watch it and say, I need an MC for an event I'm doing. And do you want to do that? And the whole point is it has to do PR and visibility and a career. It's all about momentum. So you want to, you want to just make sure that you are advancing your goals and you're, you're moving forward. How do you take advantage of momentum? Well, momentum, I think, like when something goes well, gives me the confidence to sort of keep pitching and keep going. Um, but if you have something you did that, like the timeliness, it, it totally depends. But you did that. Let's just keep going with that. You did that set and it happened last week. 
um, and you have a very recent video of you, so you can send it to bookers or whomever to know that this just happened. You're not sending them something that's six months, a year old. And then, you know, they can't book you now or virtual. I know how I'm seeing sort of how people are doing it online, whatever. But maybe you decide you are okay doing a live stream um, because it, that one went well a week ago and you do it and you try the new technology medium and someone is watching who wants to book you for a future thing or you send it to some someplace you've always wanted to get a set and they can't take you right now, but maybe when they reopen and, um, you know, you can use it everything builds on everything. So like when I built a freelance writing career, um, you know, I started writing out for very small blogs and then I would take the hits from those hits, the URLs or the, the, you know, the, the, those pieces and then email them to bigger editors and say, Hey, just wrote for this place. You know, it's someone co-signed, you know, I just wrote for this place. Would you take a piece from me? And then, and, and then I took that press hit and then I talked to a bigger editor and I said, Hey, I just wrote for, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, is and and just starting small and then building on it um is is sort of what works i like that i like that a lot um i always tell people something kind of similar um i always tell my friends when they have like an exciting day or something went well or they had um i don't know a meeting or they got an interview that they wanted and some sort of good feedback i'm always like okay now you have to go do something that scares you like right now you know like email that person that's on your to-do list that you've been putting off or you know like reach out to that agent or whoever it is like do that thing like when you have when you feel really good about yourself just like yeah do that one and thing that scares you confidence to swing swing bigger i mean and that and that confidence it's hard to get. I mean, you know, and, but, but yes, when you feel that way, it's not even about doing something that scares you. It's like, okay, like how are you going to play up now? And it's like, oh, like, you know, now I'm less afraid to do something bigger um, or do something else when you're feeling better. It's hard, but, but, you know, um, it's hard to get there sometimes. And especially in a time like this, it's really hard. Yeah, for sure. Um, how did you take kind of like what you teach your clients into your pitch meetings? Yeah, it it's interesting because I thought Prague Better was over. So I, I tried to shop it in 2015 and it was too early. And one of my issues is that I'm a little too early, which sucks. Everything is timing. Um, and it was not fully baked. It was pre-Me Too. It was, you know, pre-Trump. It 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 just and i also wasn't there yet with my clients and just the ideas and fully being fully rounded out it just, it just was not there yet and i wanted to have it anyway um and it was pitched and 13 so you query the way it works is you get an agent you don't talk to editors directly and you query editors which means they your agent will send um an editor a query letter being like are you open to looking at this proposal I want to send it to you. They don't just directly send the proposal. They ask if they want to see it. And my agent did that to 13 editors and all 13 editors wanted to read it, which is highly, highly unusual. And then none of them made an offer for purchase and publication. And that like just destroyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the the book concept was over. Um, and which is to say that I didn't feel good about it for a really long time. It wasn't until, and I kept, I kept doing brag better speeches and trainings and client work, but I was like that book, that book, that book. And I was giving a, a brag better talk and 
my friend Kate Schatz, who wrote, you know, Rad, Rad American Women, Rad Girls Can, she's a best-selling author. She was sitting in the audience and asked me if I had thought of making it into a book. And this was three years later, and I was just sort of like a mess. I thought I had to reinvent it. I wouldn't even, you know, with my best friend, like I wouldn't let her, we had to call the project something else. I like wasn't even willing to utter the name. Um and then I, I spoke to that, – that happened really in an unusual, unusual ass-backwards way, which was that I spoke to the editor, her editor, which is, you don't normally directly talk to editors. Um, and then she didn't buy it but introduced me to my agent, and then it happened really quickly. Um, so, so you don't get to feel that way all the time. Um, and it's hard because it's a mixture of your own validation and then third-party validation. And like a book is the ultimate – third-party validation, whereas you should really be looking for validation from yourself. Um, but that's a whole other, that's, that's a lot of work. And that's something that I personally work on. So I don't know if that's a helpful answer, but like, it's to say that it's been a roller coaster. I did not think this book would be published. I thought it was over. Um, and I was about ready to fold it up. So it's wild. And then it worked out. And then it worked out. And here we are. And the book's done well. And we're doing e-learning and a podcast, hopefully. Well, it, not hopefully. It's happening. And, um, you know, I'm looking at, like, the most, the wildest part of this is looking at any art that people, like, fan art. That's insane. Like, I'm sure you've seen some bits of fan art. But, like, it's it's such an insane thing that, like, someone is making art or drawings or paintings of, like, my book cover. Like, that's insane. Um, <laughs> and, and, and really lovely. And so also, like, you got to give people, you know, and some of this is reminding me, like, people want you to win for the most part. Um, but also, like, learning to accept that praise um, and that visibility once you ask for it is part of the work, too. That's that's another thing is like I've always been kind of uncomfortable with compliments and things like that. Um, <laughs> but I don't. Well, know. that's a common thing. But 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 yeah, I mean, asking for this praise and recognition, then how are you going to accept it? Um, and particularly for women, it's like, you know, we'll believe this is a personal thing, but you know, we'll believe anyone who says we're not pretty. It's like, oh, okay, but anyone says you're pretty, it's like. Or you're good, you know, you're good or like we're so willing to accept the negative, but we're suspicious of the praise, which Lovey Ajayi talks about in the book, um, you know, and and you have to be it, – it's so hard to do. Like I get a million lovely, delightful, inspiring messages from people on how much they love the book and then one person writes a negative review and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm trash. So like, you know, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I you actually inspired me. I think was it last week or two weeks ago? I made a braggy post of all the stuff that I've done over oh, yeah. quarantine. Yeah, and you know, I looked back and I was like, "Whoa, I've actually done a lot." And then I also I felt like, "Why do I do I need to say all this? Does it matter? Like, should yeah, people people know? So, so people don't know what you've done until you tell them. And we are in a very extreme time where, um, people genuinely can't know, don't know what you do because they're, they're not near you. So you can't drop by your boss's office and say like, Hey, I thought that project went really well. I'm really proud of it. What do you think? Or, um, you just have to be more upfront than ever. Um, than ever, than ever, because 
also everyone's in an emergency situation. Like having this book come out during COVID, I'm very happy it's helped a lot of people feel good or whether they're hunting for jobs or, but it's a mess of a time. So you, we don't have time for you to like beat around the bush with anything. It's like, what do you need? Why do you need it? What's the information you need to connect to someone? And like, you know, do you have enough masks? Like it's not, it's no, it's no joke. And I think that's great. I think this is a really good takeaway is just to, you know, put the information out there and to not be insecure about the information itself or how it's perceived because there's always going to be, you know, people that perceive anything that you do to be negative or annoying. (laughs) Yes. And the whole point is this is, this is a strategic act. You're stating facts strategically and cohesively to advance your career. That's what it is. It's not more noise. It's, you know, what do I want to get out of it? And then who do I need to share it with? And how am I going to package it in a way that someone can say yes to me? And that's really all it is, um, which is a lot and it's being reductive, but that's all it is. If you want a promotion, who's in charge of that promotion? How do they want to see your wins? How are you going to package it so that you look like an attractive candidate? And how are you going to do that consistently so that they remember you every time there's an option to promote you? Um, you know, that's talking about it in a work context. If it's in, you know, a you know, comedy context, which it's so hard right now. People aren't performing. Like it's, you know, that's difficult, but people are finding a way around it. And, um, okay, how are you going to find a way to make yourself attractive to bookers right now? And, you know, it's, it's, and who are the gatekeepers and how are you going to get to them Mm -hmm. with you being the one they need to choose? I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast and for sharing this and, I think that a lot of people out here could benefit from reading the book. I know I definitely did. And especially with all this time that we have right now to to reflect. And it's a hard it's a really hard time, but I always want to say too like you don't have to figure out everything right now. It's an emergency situation. I'm not in for people making really big decisions and I wouldn't I wouldn't put pressure on yourself to do that, but at least figure out what you're putting out now and where the holes are and how you can be doing a better job of at least what you're currently doing. Like don't work on changing everything right now. Like now is not the time. But it is a good time to take stock of what you're currently sharing and what you're not and what people think you do. And there are a lot of strategies in the book. There is a free chapter. And I know like you know, obviously want people listening to Order Brag Better. Um, I recorded the audiobook in a closet in quarantine, but um, you know, you can request it from your local library. You can, there's a free chapter on brag-better.com on how to brag better from home and online. Um, and so I know it's expensive. Uh, and so there are ways to at least start learning. Awesome. Thank you so much, Meredith. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you guys go check out her book and then follow her on on socials, right? Yeah, I'll give you the whole spiel. I'm Meredith Feynman, the author of Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion. You can get it wherever you get books. Um, uh, There is an audio book. There's a Kindle. uh, They're on the Brag Better website. Brag-better.com has links to purchase. There's also a list of Black-owned independent bookstores that are carrying the book. Um, You can find me everywhere, MeredithFeynman.com. At, on Instagram and Twitter at Meredith Feynman. Pretty easy to find. Have to walk that walk. Um, and yeah, feel free to give me a shout. So stoked that I learned something about how to brag on this episode of the podcast. If you learned something too, head on over to iTunes and take a second to review the podcast and let us know what you learned. 
I'm Erin Darling-Tralva, and you guys are listening to Hot Pizza Ass Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much to Meredith for joining us. Go to the show notes for more information on Meredith and for other ways to support the podcast. Again, if you haven't already, please consider leaving us a review or joining us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Erin Darling. Thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week with another great episode. Until then, stay safe out there. I'll see you soon.